God is good, isn't he? Amen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. This um, situation we dealt with, you know, there's different thoughts on it, that there's different strands, and then there's the thought of people just deal with it differently. I don't know what the case was with us. I don't know if it was that we just dealt with it differently or we had a different strand. I don't know what it was. But I didn't get the convenience of enjoying that one that hits you about three days and it's gone. We didn't get that uh, opportunity. This thing, and I'm just being transparent with you, it laid us out. It, it laid us out. And uh, my wife, being pregnant, couldn't take any kind of medication. And everything she did, she had to do organically. And, man, I'm telling you, I, I learned one thing about my wife. She is a woman of faith. And I thank God for, for my wife, that she's fine, and she's negative, and the baby's good, and everything's good. But, you know, in that time period, we had it for about 17 days, you get a lot of time to think, right? Uh, so, God is good. And, you know, Paul wrote to church at Thessalonica, and he said, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. And so, you know, during that time, I was able to think about different families in our church and in our church in general. And every time it went through my mind, I just, I said, God, I thank you for this person, this man, this family, this lady. And I just know you have been prayed for a lot over the last three weeks. And thank you finally to everyone that sent flowers and gift cards and meals you are the most generous people that, uh, that a guy could ever pastor. So thank you for that. Amen. God is good. <laughs> Just needed to say all those things. And I'm ready to get into the word. How about you? I ask you to go to Luke chapter 17. And uh, we're going to read a few verses of scripture as you remain standing that are very familiar to you. But I believe you're going to see things for the first time. In this passage of scripture, things you've never seen before. Crystal, are we safe to say that uh, the Thanksgiving baskets, what else do we need to do with those? This week they can still bring them? Okay, up to Tuesday morning. I know we have a lot already, but if you want to do that, please participate in that. It's funny because when I cough, you know, on my peripheral, I could see everybody's head go like that. <laughs> hey, this is better than this, right? To all of you who are watching, we love you, and please share this right now. Press that share button to all of you, and there's hundreds of you at home right now, and you have been so faithful to stay with us online. And I just want to tell you, as your pastor, we love you and we celebrate you today. And all things are good in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And you must understand that there was a shorter way to get there. But Jesus purposely passed in the midst of two areas. In the middle. As he entered into a certain village... There met him ten men that were lepers, 
listen, listen carefully, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Say that word, cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, say that word, turned back with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him what? Thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go your way, your faith hath made thee whole. Say that word, whole. Say this with me, cleansed, healed, whole. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, Thanks from a stranger. Look at someone around you and just say those words, thanks from a stranger. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. And I ask you to ignite a passion, literally a zeal in our hearts concerning your word. Set our soul ablaze with fire for your word, a passion that cannot be denied. Lord, I pray that you'll give us a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. That people will experience you in a way today that is greater than any encounter they've ever enjoyed with you. Take us to another level of revelation. Take the blinders off of people today and help us to see through the eyes of revelation. We break every curse and dismiss any spirit that's not of God. Thank you, Lord God, for your healing power that's even flowing today online. It's touching the Riveras right now. It's, it's touching the McCatherines right now. It's touching families in our church and you're bringing them through and you're healing them even now. Thank you, God, for your blood that is over this church, that you protect all of us. Thank you that you are our vanguard and our rearward. You make up our circle. Thank you, God, that you are the compass Thank you, God, that you are the counselor. Have your way today in Jesus' name. Let's everybody praise him one more time. Amen. You may be seated. To say that this is a strange Thanksgiving would be correct. You are being encouraged to miss Thanksgiving with your family. That's really weird really strange um, I'll leave that there and I'll go on to say that everything is strange right now you know it's strange to walk in here and not see all the chairs filled it's strange to uh, go to the store and see some people disgruntled other people satisfied and it's strange to see what we're going on in our nation suffice it to say we've never been right here before 
None, none of us have. None of us have seen this before. And we're all trying to figure out. But this, this is what I do know, that we live in a generation that is crippled with a lack of respect, a deficit of honor, and a shortage of gratitude. I'm going to say that again. We, we live in a generation that is crippled by a lack of respect, a deficit of honor, and a shortage of gratitude. These things are missing in this generation. I think we can all say amen to that. I was studying gratitude from many different angles, and I stumbled across this. Here are five excellent reasons to develop an attitude of gratitude that have the support of science behind it. Number one, it is said that gratitude makes you happier. Gratitude just makes you a happier person. Number two, gratitude always improves relationships. Gratitude improves relationships. I say all the time that gratitude is the cement of relationships. Gratitude will hold relationships together. Number three, gratitude makes you a better person at any age. Gratitude makes you a better person at any age. Number four, gratitude makes you healthier. Gratitude makes you a healthier person. And then finally, and, and I know this to be true, that gratitude can give your career a big boost. Gratitude can give your career a big boost. And those are just real practical things concerning gratitude. And as we enter into the holiday season and the season of giving, I just wanted to address all of you today, all of you that are watching at home and all of you in this building, that we really need to check our attitudes and our attitudes in relation to grace and gratitude. Grace and gratitude both come from the same word. And they both have this etymology concerning giving, a gift. Grace is something you give. Gratitude is something you return. Are you all with me so far? So gratitude is very, very important. Gratitude confirms relationship. A, a wise man will tell you that he will always listen to his successors when he blesses them. What is he listening for? an expression of gratitude. That when the blessing goes forth, there's an expectation of thank you. Thank you can take you a long way. Now that's all practical stuff and we're going to get into the spiritual side of this and I know God's going to open your eyes concerning things today and you're going to leave this building and you're going to be at home already and you're going to be touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in verse number 12, I want you to notice these men, that as Jesus entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men. Now that's very important because it doesn't say 10 people. It says 10 men. How many of you know when men get together, the conversation changes? When it's just men, men don't talk the same as if a woman was in the crowd. Men have a different dialogue. And many times they enter into this contest of who they are, where they work, how much they make. Men have a way of 
when they introduce each other, my name's Rick, and the next question is, what do you do for a living? Because immediately they begin to judge you according to your socioeconomic condition. And the Bible says there were 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Ten men that were lepers. Notice this, that they were men with a disease. No longer were they called Samaritan or Gentile. They were called lepers. It was their need, not their nationality, that brought them together. It was their need, not their nationality, that brought them together. They belonged to what I call the colony of the unclean, which means they were not able to enjoy the commonwealth of the city. They were always left just outside of everything. Have you ever felt that in your life, that you were just left a little bit outside? You were never really included because maybe someone noticed something about you that made you strange, that you couldn't fit in. Maybe it was something you were carrying. I've learned this right here. Dysfunction has a pull to it. We tend to hang with people who have the same hang-ups as we do. We tend to congregate or hang with people that have the same hang-ups that we have. You never learn what's right as long as you refuse to recognize that you're hanging with the wrong. I'll say it again, you'll never learn to recognize what is right as long as you continue to hang with those that are wrong. We get comfortable in our dysfunction, especially if that's all we're ever seeing and hearing. You get comfortable with dysfunctional people because they sound like you. They see things like you see things. Are y'all with me? So we begin to think that abnormal is normal. That dysfunction is actually functional. And we are blind to the reality that we're in a mess. And many times because we will not challenge our own selves in regard to those that we are in association with, we cannot see a brighter day. It's hard to see a brighter day when you're living around dark-sighted people all the time. Are y'all in the building? So they all are unclean. They all rang the same bell. They all had the same vocabulary, unclean. But they all met him. And they all stood afar off from him. Notice something. They may have stood afar off, but they all knew who he was. 
There are people in here today that you're far off. But you know who he is. There are people watching us today and you're, you're far off from where you've been in your past, but you know who he is. Are y'all in the building? They all lifted their voices. Not one of them, all the Bible says they all ten lifted their voices. And they all asked for the same thing. They all asked for the same thing. These are the men. What did the men ask for? They asked for mercy. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now here's what the law says. Because you are in this condition, you cannot approach the Christ. The law says you can't come near. But I saw something in this. The law can't stop your voice. Y'all don't hear me right there. The law can't stop your voice. The law cannot silence your voice. Your voice travels. And even though they couldn't approach him physically, they could send something his way that could get his attention. And I, I've said many, many times that if the church is losing anything, we're losing our voice. Not just our voice in the way of influence, but our voice in the way of being intriguing to heaven. Nothing moves up there without a sound from down here. And it's time for us to get noise back in the building. It's time for us to get our voice back in the sanctuary. Are y'all with me? Your voice travels. So they cried to the man in the middle. They cried to the man that is carrying mercy. I've learned something about Jesus. You'll never read in scripture where Jesus walked by a cry for mercy. You'll never show me one verse of scripture where somebody asked for mercy that Jesus did not stop. Bartimaeus cried, have mercy on me. When he did, Jesus stopped everything. And he said, call him to me. When Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus came to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Why? Because when you cry for mercy, Jesus opens the door of heavenly privilege. Did you hear what I said? When you cry for mercy, Jesus opens the door of heavenly privilege. The Lord spoke to me and he said, if my people would stop crying for miracles and start crying for mercy, we would see more miracles. Because when you cry for mercy, you're saying, not my will, but your will be done. A cry for mercy opens up a whole volume of opportunity. Talk back to me in the building. I know there's not a lot of us, but listen to me. Cry for mercy. We are a very selfish generation. We want miracles. We want miracles in our money. We want miracles everywhere. And when you cry for a miracle, you're missing the heart of God as you reach for the hand of God. You want his hand, but you don't want his heart. I dare somebody to shout even in your living room right now, Lord, have mercy on us. 
I'm telling you, if this nation would fall on its knees and not cry for a miracle, but cry, God of heaven and God of the United States, have mercy on us, things would shift in the spirit. We're crying about the wrong stuff. We're crying over the wrong things. We need mercy in this land. We need mercy with each other. We need grace with each other. We need God to pour out mercy on this nation. I dare you to shout, Lord, have mercy on us. See, mercy's always above the law. The mercy seat is placed above the law. If you try to approach him at his law, you'll never be worthy enough. You'll never be that perfect to be, to be able to address him on the lines of law. But when you will humble yourself and say, God, mercy is something I don't deserve. And I'm asking you for mercy and I'm asking you for grace. Now watch this. When they cry for mercy, verse 14 is the mandate. When he saw them, I thought that's interesting too because I don't think he would have ever looked at them unless he heard them. Are y'all hearing me? I don't think he would have ever looked if he wasn't listening. He saw them. And when he saw them, it was the voice that got his attention. He said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. See, the question was not, can he heal us? The question is, can you obey him? The question was not, does he have miracle working power? The question is, can you follow his instructions? Can you obey him? Notice this, he said, he never said, be healed and go. He didn't say that. He didn't say when they cried for mercy, be healed. He said, go show. The test was obedience. As they obeyed, they were cleansed. Boy, I hope y'all just heard that right there. As they obeyed, they were cleansed. So their cleansing came with each step. Many of you want the miracle that's instantaneous. And some miracles you have to walk out. There are some cleansings you have to walk out. When he says, when the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. <clears throat> it has to do with not just the moral consciousness of a person, but it has to do with the dis-ease they are carrying. I didn't say disease. It's the dis-ease of life. I've learned something that when we walk it out, if we just keep on walking, the thing we need and the thing we desire will overtake you, but you have to learn the power of if. 
If you obey me, these blessings will overtake you. If you walk this thing out, you'll be cleansed. Are you in the building? He never said be healed. He said go show. And as they obeyed, they were cleansed. And one of them, verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Thank you, Jesus. And with a loud voice glorified God. When he saw he was healed, Josh, not cleansed. When he saw he was healed, they were cleansed as they left. When you walk in the obedience that Christ gives you, the instruction that Christ gives you, you'll discover things you wasn't looking for. He found out that he was not only being cleansed, but ultimately he walked in healing. It's therapeutic. It's where you get the word therapy. Now I'm not walking in the struggle. I'm walking in the therapy of my healing. And all it takes is obedience. When he saw he was healed, he turned back. With a loud voice, he glorified God. He turned around. And notice what he did. He did what he did before with a loud voice. He had a loud voice with them. He had a loud voice without them. Did y'all hear what I said? He was loud with them. He was loud without them. He had a loud voice when he brought his request. And he had a loud voice when he returned with thanksgiving. I, I'm going to say it again. I think we're missing volume in the house. I think we're missing volume in our life. There's something very powerful about volume. There's something very powerful about being loud. Do you remember when you first got saved? And the preacher would say, lift your voice and praise him. And you were the first one to let that huge expression of praise emit from your lungs because you were so grateful. But as time goes on, we mature ourselves out of our own loudness and our own voice and our own praise. <laughs> he was loud. When he glorified God. I've been asking God, what happened to the loud people? What happened to the loud? What happened to the loud people? Where are the loud people at? I'm going to ask you again, where are the loud people at? Is there any loud people watching today? He was loud when he was unclean. And he was loud when he was clean. Do y'all hear me today? Some of you were loud when you were out there in the world, but you got saved and you got silent. You ought to be just as loud right now as you was when you was cutting up out there in this world. I dare you to lift a loud shout to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. With a loud voice, he glorified God. Let's continue. Watch the method now. <coughs> and he fell down. 
Verse number 16, who did? The one did. The one that came back. The leper that came back. Wait a minute. The Samaritan that came back. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? They're not found that return to give glory to God. Save this strange, this strange. Everyone just say weird. Yeah. You ever been around people you thought they're just a little bit weird? You remember when you first got saved? Everybody on your job thought, Man, you're just a little bit weird. And you were kind of like, that's right. Right? You were kind of like, I, I'm different. Y'all remember those days? Everybody was like, man, you, you're not the same guy. You, you're a little bit strange. We used to almost take pride in that because it was our distinction. And I just wonder what happened to the strange people. Now we look more like the world, act more like the world. We're not strange at all. I just keep going. And he said unto him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Were there not ten cleansed? Everyone say expectation. Notice what Jesus said. Where are the nine? Can I submit this to you? Christ was shocked at the lack of honor. Christ was shocked at the lack of respect. Christ was shocked at the lack of gratitude. Before he even acknowledged this guy who's on his face giving him thanks, he don't even acknowledge him. He says, where, where are the nine? He was shocked. In other words, he was expecting a full return. Did you hear me? Christ was expecting a full return. This guy, this time, when he came back, babe, he didn't come back and stand afar off. See, when you've really been touched by God, you have no problem approaching him. When you've really been touched by the Holy Ghost, you don't have no problem drawing near to the Lord. And the Bible says he fell at his feet and he gave him thanks. He was a Samaritan. He was a man in the middle. He's half Jew and half Gentile. And he found a man that understood both sides. See, it's not an easy task to act as a pontifex. It's never easy to be the bridge between two races. It's never easy to be the bridge between two parties. It's never because you get walked on. You get talked about because you're trying to be a reconciler. 
You're trying to pull it all together and people mark you for trying to walk down the middle of the road called reconciliation. Whew. And Jesus passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee between two regions that did not even talk to each other. He could have went another way, but he chose to walk the middle. Hmm. And he meets a Samaritan who's caught in the middle. He's half Gentile. He's half Jew. <laughs> and Jesus calls him a stranger. Did I lose you? Jesus calls him a stranger. Literally means a foreigner. One from another tribe. It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament. One time. Right here. You know what it means? The least. Stranger means the least. The one you would expect the least from brought the most back. What are we going to do when people we wrote off as being less than come back and bring the greatest revival the church has ever seen? The one we expected the least from brought the most back. The nine, you ask about the nine? Hmm. If this guy's called a stranger, you know what that tells me, Josh? that the other nine were not. Did you hear me? If this guy's called a stranger, then the other nine were not. Meaning the other nine were familiar. Did you hear that? The other nine were familiar. The other nine were Jews. Okay, let me say it like this. They didn't return and give thanks. Because they felt entitled. They didn't come back and say thank you. Because they were Jews. They're not less than. Their attitude was I deserve this healing. You know what they felt? They should have never got it to begin with. I'm a Jew. I'm supposed to be healed. I should have never got it to begin with. I'm a Jew. I'm special. Coronavirus don't visit my house. COVID-19 does not visit my house. Yeah, until it shows up at your house. And all you can do is go through it and then come back and say, Lord, I'm back. Strange as ever. Loud as ever. And I'm going to give you just as much praise on this side as I did on the last side. I'm going to give you as much praise now as I was giving you before this thing ever came to my house. <clears throat> hmm. The very church, the last church I preached in in St. Louis is where I believe that we caught this deal. And we were going church to church, Amarillo, Chicago, and um, Fort Worth. 
St. Louis. And we get back and pastor calls. He's got it. And then we find out that a man that was sitting on the front row died from it. Yeah. He died from it. And you say, not me. I didn't deserve it to begin with. I'm a Christian. Let me help you. You can be in denial as long as you want to. But just because you saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit and all that other stuff, don't exempt you from trouble. And sometimes you have to walk through stuff you don't understand. Quiet now, ain't it? And nine of them didn't return. They didn't return and give thanks because they felt entitled. They felt like they should have never had it. Entitled people are never grateful people. Entitled people are never grateful because they feel like they deserve it. I wrote this down this morning that a victim mentality does not afford you the opportunity to be grateful either. A victim mentality does not afford you the opportunity to be grateful. If you feel like you deserve it, then why be grateful for it? I talked to Dustin this morning. I said, son, what you preaching today? He said, dad, I'm preaching on the 10 lepers. I said, shut your mouth, man. That's what I'm preaching on. I said, tell me something. He said, well, Dad, you know, we preached on this a lot of times. And I said, I know, but I got me some fresh stuff. I shared with him all the stuff that I'm sharing with you right now. And he was like, wow, hold on, let me write that down. Let me, let me write that down. He was writing it down. And he said, all right, Dad, I love you. And I said, hold on, hoss. He said, what is it? And I said, now, what you going to share? <laughs> this is called fair and just exchange, buddy. It's the way we do it. He said, Dad, I saw something in this story I've never seen before. I said, okay, come on. Come on, share it. He said, you know those nine? And I said, yeah. He said, they did what was required of them. But only one did what was expected of them. I said, boy, I'm going to come through this phone and slap you behind your head. <laughs> Preach like that to me, son. He said, that's powerful, ain't it, Dad? And I said, son, that's more than powerful. He said, yeah, I saw that. They did what was required of them to do. But one did what was expected of him. And that was to come back and give thanks. I said, son, that's powerful. There's some things that ought to be second nature to us. See, you shouldn't be instructed that go show yourself to the priest and you're cleansed and you're healed and also told, oh yeah, when you get that revelation, come back and tell me thank you. 
It ought to be second nature for us to come back. Like Psalm 116.12 says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? That's the question we should all be asking. What shall I render to the Lord for everything he's done for me? And David says, I'll take the cup of salvation. I'll call on the name of the Lord. I'll pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. And then he says these words, I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, what shall I do for everything you've done for me? I've got to tell you, thank you. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for preserving me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for baptizing me in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for pushing me through the... Thank you, Lord God. It ought to be second nature. Now watch this. I'm almost done. Jesus says when he does that, Josh, Jesus says, arise. Go your way. Your faith has made thee whole. They were all cleansed. They were all healed. But only one was made whole. A lot of people feel real special because you obeyed. You did what was required. But when you do what is required... You get this degree and that degree, but only one person gets wholeness. And that's the one that comes back and says, thank you. See, thanksgiving brings wholeness to your life. I've learned something, that people that have a heart of gratitude are always whole people. But people that are not grateful and not thankful, there's so many fragmentations and fault lines inside of them and they'll never let you see them they'll never let you see them pride will not allow them to let you see what's going on on the inside but a grateful person they don't care they'll come to the altar a hundred times and lift their voice and lift their hands and tears rolling down their face saying I'm undone but I love you I'm not perfect, but you've done so much for me, I can't help but give you praise. An attitude of gratitude will get you more than you ask for. Did y'all hear that? That's the best thing I said all day. An attitude of gratitude will get you more than you ask for. He didn't ask to be made whole. He has to be cleansed. But he was made whole because he was thankful. Because he had a heart filled with gratitude. See, when you give thanks, other things begin to open up to you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will concerning you. Give thanks not for in. In all circumstances. Psalm 50 verse 14. Sacrifice thank offerings to God. And I will deliver you in the day of trouble. Psalm 50 verse 23. He who sacrifices thank offerings. Honors me. Watch this. And prepares the way that I may show him the salvation of God. 
your thanksgiving prepares your own way so that God can show you his salvation. Do you not remember Jonah? Jonah chapter 2 verse 7. Jonah said, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered God. Listen carefully. And my prayer came to him in the holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Strong. Verse 9. But I will sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. Say it with me. I will sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. And then he says this, I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You know what the next verse says? And the Lord spoke unto the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. See, when you start giving God thanks with your voice, whatever's holding you captive has to throw you up. Whatever's holding you captive when you start giving thanks has to release you into the next phase of your destiny. I pray you're never so proud. I pray we're never so haughty that we can't be humble enough to come back and with loud voices say, God, thank you. Josh will remember Frank. Frank was a guy in my church with me for about 20 years in San Antonio. Frank was an interesting case. One of the strongest physically strong men, Frank Martinez, that I've ever seen. He's just naturally physically strong. And Frank lost his mind. And they had to put him in an insane asylum. And they put him in a straitjacket and locked him in a padded room. And that's where he lived for a very, very long time. He lived incarcerated. He lived in isolation. He lived apart from what was normal. God came in that room and he delivered Frank. And he began to heal Frank. And before long, Frank was made whole. Not long after that, Frank joined the church. And we would be in praise service. And our church was so loud, it was almost ridiculous. And right when the end of a song would start happening and things would just start rad quieting just a little bit, you'd hear way over in the corner, Thank you, Jesus! I didn't have to look because I knew who it was. It was Frank. And Frank realized that if it wasn't for the Lord, he would still be in a straitjacket, in a padded room. And every chance he had to give God a loud thanksgiving, he just let it out of his soul. But he wanted everybody to hear it. Because he wanted everybody to know that if God can do it for me, he can absolutely do it for you. Is there any Franks in the building that you almost lost it all, but God saved you? You almost lost it all, but God healed you.
He cleansed you. He made you whole. Can I get somebody to stand on your feet, lift your hands, and with a loud voice tell him, thank you. Thank you. God, we are the one. We're not the nine. We are the one. We had to come here today. We had to come in this house today to tell you, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for filling us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our spouse. Thank you for our kids. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your will in our life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.